everyone. You're listening to the World Teacher Programme for Share International New Zealand on Planet FM 104.6. Each Friday morning, we bring you information from the teachers of the Ages Wisdom. The purpose of our programme is to introduce Maitreya, the world teacher for the Age of Aquarius. Maitreya does not come alone. He brings with him the Masters of Wisdom, a group of highly evolved teachers. They work in many fields and can teach us the art of living, how to live in right relationship with each other. With their inspiration, we can transform our civilization, creating justice and peace for us all. morning everyone and welcome to our Maitreya program. Today we have a piece, well we start with a piece at least, about why why new and then we'll have um, another article about 5G technology but first an article titled From Political Prisoner to Human Rights Champion and this is why why new story, an article by Maria Salem. Instead of being cowed by her seven-year imprisonment, YY Nu emerged stronger and more determined to fight for the rights of all people, including in Rohingya, in her native Myanmar. In an exclusive interview with IPS, YY says her prison experience made her all the more aware of the need for human rights activism. What kept her going during her prison years was the desire to help other woman inmates to have a dream. She says, I feel I was privileged when I compare myself to other young girls and women that I interacted with while I was in prison, YY says. Most of them were unaware of how corrupt the political system was. I had a dream, a vision, whether or not I could achieve it because of my imprisonment was secondary. I felt I could help them have a dream. The youngest of three siblings, YY, age 33, spent seven years as a political prisoner with her family. Imprisoned at only 18, she was forced to give up her education, her everyday life. Still, she came out of prison undeterred and today is an inspiration to many women and activists fighting for human rights and the dignity of their communities and beyond. Her family is Rohingya, a Muslim minority in Myanmar that has been facing continued persecution and marginalization by state and non-state actors alike. It was her father's activism, activism that led to her imprisonment. Her father, who was elected to parliament in 1990, received a 47-year prison sentence, which was politically motivated. The family was released in 2012. YY has received many awards for her activism, including the N-Peace Award in 2014. The N-Peace Award um, stands for Engage for Equality, Access, Community and Empowerment and is a UNDP flagship initiative founded in 2010 to commemorate a decade of the United Nations SCR implementation by the Women, Peace and Security Agenda. She was named as one of the top 100 women by BBC the same year and Time magazine named her one of the next generation leaders in 2017. 
However, she considers her most outstanding achievement to be the ability to emerge as a woman leader from her community and inspire many like her to be change makers. I started my activism when I was 25 years old. Apart from the many challenges, I was faced with patriarchy from within my community, initially as there were almost no women in leadership roles. Now I see an acceptance from the same community, and I'm proud to have been able to break this stereotype. An achievement that YY sees as imperative, though not tangible, is being able to bridge the gap between the Rohingya in Myanmar, who are extremely marginalised and isolated, from mainstream Myanmar, and the rest of Myanmar and society at large. YY says, I speak Burmese fluently. I grew up in the city, and I think through my activism, I have been able to break the stereotypes created in part by the media and address the Islamophobia around my community, which is seen by so many as alien. And she goes on to say, We, the Rohingya, have played an important role in Burmese history and its independence, and I want to remind the world of this too. Today, a lot of young people see me as someone who did not give up, and they tell me how my story inspires them to continue to achieve. I value this more than any achievement or award that I have ever received. YY recalls that she realised she needed to help women prisoners because of the stigma they faced during and after their incarceration. She says she needed to help these women because they suffered a double burden. They faced the direct consequences of being imprisoned and beyond the prison walls, their suffering continued. Once they had finished serving their prison time, most were not accepted back into their families. Those married were abandoned by their husbands and had to start their lives all over again. The fact that most came from impoverished economic backgrounds only worsened the situation. I felt I could help fix this. Waiwei founded the Women's Peace Network in 2012. She says her father continues to fight for human rights and draws inspiration from religion despite suffering and facing the consequences of his activism. YY says he feels he has the duty towards helping those who need support. He told her that he would have to face Allah when he dies and wants to walk on the path of justice. I draw inspiration from his strength and beliefs in justice and equality, she says. YY has been an open advocate for democracy and human rights for all. While referring to Myanmar's transition to democracy, she says that it concerns her that the world celebrates a flawed democracy like Myanmar for its own geopolitical or economic gains. Here, millions of people still live in a genocide-like situation, and the effect is to legitimise a flawed democracy and help prolong atrocities and crimes against the most marginalised in the country. When we talk of democracy, we need to ensure that human rights of all are protected, that there is political participation by all. Freedom of expression and assembly are upheld, YY says. When a state has marginalised an entire community and made them outsiders, where the military has used this transition to democracy as a means to maintain its power, to accept and celebrate this as a successful transition to democracy is like rewarding a state that has not even met the benchmark of basic democratic criteria. 
Of the many challenges that YY has faced, one that she has to continue to fight is that of others stereotyping her and manipulating her into limiting, limiting sorry, her work and her activism. There are many who only want me to talk about the human rights of my community and want to limit my ability to contribute to other issues. Yes, I have the responsibility towards my community and my people, but that does not stop me from advocating for universal principles like democracy, empowerment of youth, and justice and peace in society. Right. Now, thank you. Um, we will continue with another piece now. We're going on with all the noise about fifth generation or 5G technology. We thought we'd include this piece by Tim Welsh. The development and introduction of this new technology, that is 5G technology, has given rise to numerous concerns and some rather strange theories. The main purpose of this summary is to highlight some facts and references from credible bodies and help readers navigate a way through the blizzard of information and misinformation and disinformation that has become such a prevalent feature of contemporary living. Quite reasonably, typical questions that arise with 5G are, what is it? Is it safe? What are its potential uses and some of the societal implications? Should we be concerned? In brief, 5G will provide significant enhancements as compared to the current 4G technology that many people are currently using. Amongst other numerous features, 5G enables higher transmission speeds and reduces network delays, which will make possible a greater range of applications. Is it safe? Benjamin Krem has been asked in the past about safety concerns with earlier mobile techno telecommunication system deployment associated with 3G technology. And we could look at the questions and answers that we had back in 2020 with this. In seeking credible resources of how the matter might stand in respect of 5G, it's notable that the International Telecommunications Union, that is the ITU for short, updated a press release in June 2020, which included the following statements. There is no evidence that electromagnetic fields from existing, that is 2G, 3G and 4G, mobile networks pose any health risks. Provided that administrations enforce the exposure limits established by international bodies and there is no scientific basis of any relation between the transmission of the coronavirus and 4G or 5G or any other electromagnetic waves. And um, the Institution of Engineering and Technology, IET for short, made a similar statement again in 2020 which included the following... The conclusion that 5G is as safe as 4G, 3G and Global System for Mobile Communication, which is GSM for short, is not a political soundbite, but a conclusion drawn from an an objective detailed examination by independent professional engineers who belong to institutions committed to the very highest professional standards. Given the above, it is reasonable to assert that as long as equipment engineers or designers, manufacturers and service providers test appropriately for compliance with recommended emission standards and national regulators carry out their work effectively, then such measures should sufficiently mitigate emissions risks in practical terms. 
There are some recent cases where state authorities are being challenged, for example in Switzerland. It will be of interest to observe how they respond. With regard to the major smartphone manufacturers, it will clearly be in their own interest to keep within the accepted emissions limits in order that they don't expose their customers to unacceptable levels of risk. The network service providers will know this and one would reasonably expect that they will be wishing to include smartphone users within their network coverage. So this should in turn provide a natural incentive to network service providers to be respectful of acceptable emission limits. Regarding potential applications and uses of 5G, the old saying, a picture paints a thousand words, certainly applies. The European Telecommunications Standards Institute, ETSI, has produced a helpful illustration. In connection with the wider societal implications of advances in such technologies generally, clearly such advances have brought about many benefits, but not without associated risks. One example is that 5G is being looked to as a key building block in realising the widespread deployment and use of autonomous vehicles. Applications such as this will, of course, require very intelligent design and deployment of equipment and infrastructure in order to achieve the necessary levels of reliability and resilience needed to reduce risks to acceptable levels. We can expect both the numerous benefits and downsides of technological innovation to continue to develop, given 5G's potential to extend network capacity, reach and performance. How corporations, organisations, institutions and individuals choose to use the global public internet and world wide web will continue to be crucial factors. For anyone concerned about the inevitable risks, such as those associated with the storage and use of their personal data on websites of various kinds, the advice from agencies such as the UK National Cyber Security Centre are useful. The International Telecommunications Unit, Union, I should say, continue their long-standing work of producing the technical recommendations which form the basis of and underpin the modern global telecommunications infrastructure. Therefore, the nature of the work it undertakes is significant as it is, as is its connection to the UN. Other specialist communities carry out vital work too, of course, including the Internet Society and the World Wide Web Consortium. The IET is a membership organisation for engineering professionals. Its main aims include encouraging people into the profession and supporting them throughout their active career and beyond. The IET is also involved in activities such as educational initiatives and the ongoing development of important technical and safety standards, e.g. for electrical installations. It continues to do good work, encouraging women into the science and engineering professions, which is very welcome. The ethos and records of the organisations and communities referred to here indicate that through their work, methodology and international makeup, they also usefully assist in gradually advancing the art of cooperation and unity in diversity. Finally, we will um, read out to you a few wins for women from around the world. And the first one is titled, Kuwait's Domestic Violence Law Signals Hope for Women. 
In September 2020, Kuwait issued a new law on protection from domestic violence following years of activism from Kuwaiti women's rights groups. The law creates a national committee to write policies to combat domestic violence and protect women. It also establishes shelters and a hotline to receive domestic violence complaints, provides counselling and legal assistance for survivors, and allows for emergency protection orders to prevent abusers from contacting their victims. Although the new family protection law is a step forward for the country with high levels of domestic abuse, much work remains in implementing the law. Filing, or I should say filling protection gaps and repealing discriminatory laws. Worldwide, as the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the ever-present pandemic of violence against women surged dramatically. Calls to helplines increased up to five-fold in some countries during the first weeks of the coronavirus outbreak. Projections show that for every three months of lockdown, an additional 15 million women could experience violence. Laws and policies matter right now to curb violence against women and recover from the social and economic fallout of COVID-19. And the next very brief article is titled Time's First Kid of the Year Celebrates Girl Power and Woman in Science. 15-year-old scientist inventor Gitanjali Rao was selected as Time magazine's first ever Kid of the Year. From an early age, Rao thought about how to use science and technology to create social change, motivated by her desire to introduce positivity and community to the world around her. She developed Kindly, an app and a Chrome extension based on artificial intelligence that is able to detect cyberbullying at an early stage. Rao is currently working on an inexpensive and accurate means of detecting biocontaminants in water. Yay, fantastic. Well done, Rao. New Zealand appoints first Indigenous woman foreign minister. Nanaya Mahute became the first Indigenous woman appointed as Foreign Minister of New Zealand in November 2020. Mahuta, who is Māori and was first elected to Parliament in 1996, previously made history as the first woman Member of Parliament to wear a moko kawe, or traditional tattoo, on her chin. New Zealand also has one of the most diverse parliaments in the world, led by Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, with almost half of her lawmakers being women and around 10% of incoming parliamentarians being members of the LGBTQ community. It's great that we're leading the world in this way, isn't it's, it? It's fantastic. I'm so pleased. And one last article titled, Two Women Take Home Nobel Prize in Chemistry. In October, October 2020, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer A. Dildner were awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for their work on a way of editing DNA, known as CRISPR-Cas9. The two scientists led efforts to turn molecules made by microbes into a tool for customising genes. Dr. Charpentier and Dr. Dordner's joint win marks the first time in history that the prize has gone to two women, and they are only the sixth and seventh women to win the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. 
that's that, I think. And that's that for today. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to us. It's, uh, we're, we're so pleased that you're tuning in. So um, maybe you'd like to go to our website for more information. That's share-international.org. Oh, share or you could email us at sharenz at yahoo.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Love and blessings to you all.